0: Ensuring that you hit your marks every time is very important and also knowing what you're going to be doing with it before you break it. There's a hundred ways you could do it uh, depending on what products you want to have at the end of it. That's what it's about. It's about knowing what your end goal is before you start.
1: This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. There aren't many careers these days where generation after generation follows in the footsteps of their ancestors, where skills, knowledge, and tricks of the trade are passed on to the next generation and taken forward into a new era. But for third generation butcher, Craig Munro, it's what lured him in. Craig, how are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's awesome to get you on the show. Third generation butcher, um, that's pretty amazing. Tell us a little bit about that. What's that been like?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very, very fortunate to, to have been able to uh, learn and work alongside both my grandfather and my father in the shop at the same time, uh, the same shop that I'm currently in now, actually. So uh, I remember those early days when – because in the shopping centre that we're at, there's actually a, a, a daycare centre right behind or a, a preschool. So those, those early days, I remember getting up in the morning – in the dark, before the suns come up, with my father, and he'd take me out, and uh, in the little meat wagon, and he'd uh, drop me off, drop me off at the daycare, and he'd come and come and grab me at the end of the day. And uh, the, the daycare used to close a little bit earlier than than the, the, what the shop did, so I'd go in there and I'd sweep up and I'd take the rubbish out and a few little bits and bobs, and I'd have my little Frankfurt as payment on the way home. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. What, what was it like sort of having your father and your grandfather there as mentors? Did it also have its challenges given the relationship that you had as well?
0: Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, one of the, I guess one of the best things about it is being able to listen and learn from, from two different generations. Uh, and I think that's also cool for me too, is is having that for my apprentices now, is that now there's there's four generations, I guess, there's myself- um my my father my grandfather and and the young kids coming through now and they've got they've got all that knowledge to to lean on if they've got any questions or anything like that so yes yeah, that's something that I really I'm really excited about that we can offer our young staff
1: with sort of generational change as well has there been sort of evolution or changes within butchery you know that you've seen from your grandfather to sort of what you do
0: oh definitely definitely I a lot of what my grandfather talks about is uh, the old saying "stack it high and watch it fly," which was which is one of those those things where they just they'd have hundreds of bodies coming in, or hundreds of lambs, hundreds of pigs, and uh, the the working environment was was very hustle bustle, get it in, get it out, and uh, where these days I think with without trying to be um, disrespectful, it's it's a lot more refined what we're doing now. And uh, customers customers enjoy a little bit more preparation from the butcher's side to make it easier for them when they get it home. Was there ever
1: sort of a time that you thought, you know, butchery wasn't for you? Or would, do, you, do you feel like it was always sort of something that you were going to do?
0: I always thought it was something I was going to do, but my, my dad and mum really, really didn't. Uh, yeah, so... I, I talk about those those early days when, when I was a very, very young child and as I, as I became a little bit older, uh, I'd be same thing, coming in with Dad beforehand and making rissoles and doing crumbing and sausages before jumping on a bus and going to high school. And it was what I always enjoyed about that was, was the banter and the relationships that you build with your fellow co- co-workers um, and I really enjoyed that and, and having that sort of, uh, I guess, family spirit within the store. And there was always a little bit of um, little bit of mud thrown in in good jest, but uh, that was that was what I enjoyed. And as I was coming to the end, and I, I was leaving school, uh, mum and dad they they didn't want me to feel like I felt I was forced into the store. So uh, I did dabble in a little bit. I went and did full time uh, drafting, like um, architecture sort of thing. So I went and learned how to do that. Uh, I also tried out for the army because I wanted to do a little bit of uh, well. If if I wasn't going to be a butcher, I'd like to help people. So I thought if I could become a, uh, a plumber or an a or an electrician or something and go and help people in other countries that have had disasters and that sort of thing, I thought maybe I could do that. But my my drive kept bringing me back to the store. I love food, and I'm uh, I really love that that spirit that we had within the store. So uh, unfortunately. For dad, I won and I was able to, I was able to come back and, like I said, he welcomed me back with open arms but uh, he, he didn't want me to feel like I was forced into it and I definitely was and I'm, I'm enjoying it.
1: In a, in a multi-generational butcher family, you would have um, felt the impact of the big supermarkets and the impact they had on um, the sort of corner store butcher over the years, but there's been a real renaissance and and love and desire for quality butchers. Um, how, how have you seen it and what are you seeing at the moment with things?
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad to say it's not just butchers as well. I'm noticing it a lot more with uh, like fruit markets and bakeries as well um moving away from those those large chain stores back into the the, the I guess the family-run businesses and I guess what what the family business can provide is not just your family's dinner it's it's also uh it's also support for the local schools it's it's sponsoring the local football team or the the, the, the local soccer team whatever it might be it's raffles for um raffles for the local pub it's it's more about that sort of community family spirit. And that's I think that's what a lot of the local butchers are now uh, thriving for within their communities.
1: Tell us a little bit about the operations uh, there. Do you, do you have connections with local farmers? Like, um, you know, are there specific pigs that you get in? And can you tell us a bit about
0: them? Yes. Yeah, so we do a lot of our own small goods in store as well. And um, so in order for us to... Make the small goods that we or to, to make the small goods that we like to make, we need a, sp- a specific style of pig. So that's why it's great to have connections with the specific farmers and we can give them real-time feedback uh, to get the right size, the right fat coverage, um, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's really important to us to be able to use. And, and for a long time, we were using uh, an old fellow by the name of Jeff Baker and that was a connection that my grandfather made, and it was only up until about three years ago that he retired. So he was able to get us onto his next generation and of um, a farmer that was coming in to help him. So yeah, that's um, that's a long that's a long long history. And, and when you get to know somebody that well, uh, you rely and you, and you you know that what you're going to get every week. So therefore, you you can depend on it.
1: But tell us about sort of what you need from a pig to make these small goods and maybe pinpoint one or two of the small goods that really stand out with what you're making.
0: So we've actually won quite a lot of awards with our hams. Uh, The most recent one would be the the Sydney Royal Easter Show. We got first place for our leg ham down there. So we, you know, and it also, it's not just about um, making it good for the judges. It's also about making it, I guess the right size and compatible for the consumer, so they can't be too big, they can't be too fatty. So we like to use a thirty sorry, a sixty kilo pig, thirty kilo halves. So that gives us the size of leg that we are after to make it uh, to make the leg nice and affordable for for the customer when they come in as well, so they're not too too sizey.
1: You've uh been involved in lots of uh, different sort of competitions and traveled the world and um, tell us about
0: about that and what's been some of the sort of real highlights for you in that regard. So, I'm actually very fortunate that a, a crazy butcher by the name of Shannon Walker walked into our shop one day. It would have been, I think it would have been late 2015, early 2016 to let me know about this new smoking competition that was coming out called Meatstock. He uh, he convinced me to, to join up and to sign up for that very, very first one. It was a 40-degree day in the middle of February. Uh, we were given a side of saddle of pork and a half lamb, and we were given 30 minutes to present whatever we wanted in. And I think I was about 24 or 25, and I was – I was quite confident within myself, a, a cocky young fellow like most young fellows are. And I turned up on that day very confident in my own abilities and after that 30 minutes on stage with just sweat dripping off me, uh, after that heat, I realised that I was nowhere that I needed to be if I was going to be doing competitions. I, I actually came dead last. I looked around at all these other butchers and I could see I could see my own shortcomings, but I also had that drive in me to to want to get there. And so it took me a few years. I made I made quite a lot of friends and connections out of that very first competition. And it created a different sort of drive for me. because when, when you own your own business, you're very focused on that. But what you do in your own business is very specific to your specific clientele. So in, in order to do these competitions, you had to look outside of what you what you were doing or extend onto what you were already doing. So that was something that I really enjoyed the challenge of. So I was very fortunate to do the following year, which was 2017, I went to – New Zealand, uh, down to Melbourne and back to Sydney to do those three competitions again. Uh, very lucky to pull out with I think I got a fifth trophy. But once again, it was about the it was about the, the friendships that I made and the and the things I learned along the way. So, yeah, I'd, I'd suggest to any young butchers just pop your head into one of those competition scenes because it's it's not a competition in the fact that there are the other butchers aren't going to look down on you. They all want to help you, and I think that's the best thing about those sorts of things. What was it like for you when you eventually took some of those titles? Uh, to be honest, it was a bit of a relief. I had put so much so much effort and uh, stress on myself. So the very first competition I did was in 2016, and I had my first win in 2019. So that was a lot of work to get me. To where I wanted to be, um, and with with all that work came a lot of a lot of friends and guys that I still speak to today. And it's uh, it's also been I've been able to travel the world a little bit because of those friendships and and that knowledge I've learnt. So I'm very very fortunate.
1: What sort of impact did that sort of knowledge and sort of taking yourself to that level, what sort of impact did that have on the butcher back home in the business?
0: It's actually helped our store grow. Uh, I guess when you're in your own store, you can have the blinkers on as well and not realise not realise what else is out there. And being that third-generation butcher, having only worked in the one butcher shop uh having only experienced what we have always done, it was good to get out there and learn something new. Tell me about
1: sort of butchering the whole pig. Do you remember the first time that you had to butcher a whole pig and what it was like?
0: Yeah, I definitely do. It was the first time uh, that that's the first thing we learned to break in our store. Uh, and this is still the same now with our apprentices. The reason why it's the first thing we learn to break is because it is. It's a mid-size animal. It's obviously not the biggest, not the smallest, but it's got everything you need in terms of the joints to get through. They're, they're big enough for you to be able to see it, and um, even a rookie, uh, I guess, even a rookie could, you know, once you tell them that's where the knife goes, that's where the knife goes, and it's, um, and it's, it's a cheaper meat to kind of learn on, I guess. Uh, so if there's a mistake made, then it goes into your frankfurts, or, you know, there's other other ways that you can utilise it in order to not waste it. And that's the greatest thing about pork, I think, is that the utilisation factor is 100%. Take us through butchering
1: a whole pig. Is the you know, what's really important when to make sure that you utilise everything?
0: Well, going, going back to that, so... Ensuring that you hit your marks every time is very important and also knowing what you're going to be doing with it before you break it. There's a hundred ways you could do it, uh, depending on what products you want to have at the end of it. So we might have half of our pigs on a particular week is for bacons and ham and things like that, where the other half are purely for chops and that sort of thing. So it's... That's what it's about. It's about knowing what your uh, what your end goal is before you start.
1: Take us through um, some of the different cuts and and how you use them in the stores. You know, there's um, obviously there's you know primary and secondary cuts, and the whole pig can be used. But how, how do you sort of as a butcher make sure that you sell all of the different parts and and use them to the best?
0: Uh, so. With, with what we have in our store, we do a lot of, uh, I guess, barbecue smoking with that uh, that craze that came through, that trend that came through. So a lot of the like the, the, the shoulder region becomes Boston butts. Then we can also get the, the pork necks out of there, which are also great for, for chopped pork and pulled pork. Uh, we then do, like, uh, quite a few St. Louis ribs, which uh, – the smokers love and then the legs we all we every leg we've turned into ham uh because we we have a little deli section in our in our store as well so we do a lot of sliced ham as well for that uh, so and then obviously you got your bellies and your pork chops and we do quite a lot of crumbed pork cutlets so um that's a great way to, to i guess to utilize and also uh monetize a bit more with that with the crumb the weight of the crumb and the batter on the scales tell us
1: about some of the more creative sort of things that you're making um you know in at your butcher in regards to pork to sort of make things interesting at home for people
0: so my favorite thing when i'm doing uh i guess value adding pork is the pork neck and One of the things that we came up with, it was a product that we were working on for the Australian butcher team out at, uh, when we traveled to Sacramento and it didn't, it didn't quite make the cut for the competition because we thought it was maybe a little too basic, but it's actually the pork neck wrapped in its own, in its own fat, I guess. So you take the back fat off and, and wrap it around the outside, almost like a mignon. And the uh, the rib bone that pops out of that forequarter, you put it back in there. So it's kind of like I think we call it a a pork hi hat or something like that um, for the competition. But it, it never made it because we had a lot we had a lot more creative things for the competition. But it's a really really good meal for home because that all that pork fat melts through and uh, keeps it nice and moist. It's just an easy one portion like one, one portion per person thing that you can just pop in the oven and have your veggies and baste your, baste your veggies with that pork fat as it melts.
1: T- tell us a bit about this creative process. How important is sort of your ability to cook and uh, in, in the sort of creative process and also within the discussions of sharing tips and knowledge to your customers as well?
0: Well, my partner's a my, – my girlfriend's a chef, so we kind of fell in love over food and movies. Uh, so a lot of our conversations are focused around food. She works in the store with us as well. So we um, we do focus on on different flavors. Uh, she's got the eye for detail as well. So I'll come up with I'll come up with the crazy like the Mad Hatter idea, and uh, we'll work on it together, and she'll. She'll make it look pretty, and uh, I'll make it. I'll make it work, sort of thing. So it's 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 a team combination when it comes to those sorts of things.
1: A bit earlier, you mentioned how versatile the pig is, and that you know, when you are butchering it, you can always use parts for things like sausages and and stuff like that. But sausages are pretty special things when you get it right. What what do you do to make great sausages?
0: Um, well, I guess it's all about the process. Uh, a lot of a lot of butchers rush through it and have the opinion of they're only sausages. When for a lot of people, well, for us in, in particular, sausages are a way to value add. So you can add a lot of add a lot of flavour into your sausage mix, uh, and it's it can be a gateway for people who are I guess a little bit standoffish with your value added products that you can. Hand them a sausage that might have a Vietnamese flavour, or some a flavour that they they don't like, so to speak. But a sausage is that easy way in, and and once they've tried it, then you can say, well, if you like that, here is another option with those same flavour profiles or whatnot. So. I think I think that's the way that we like to use our sausages is a, is a gateway or a foot in the door for those sorts of people that are a little bit um, a little bit uh, scared to try something new.
1: You mentioned the amazing. Um about being a third-generation butcher is the knowledge that's transferred down from generation to generation and how different the perspectives are as well. Um, but are there pressures on you given that sort of history with, with what you're doing and, and moving forward?
0: Um, I guess internal pressures for my, my own self, I guess, but my, my parents and my grandparents have never, never put that pressure on me. I still have... Um, I still have conversations with both my father and my grandfather about uh, about different things and, and what he's really good about it is. like so recently we've had the, the inflation and the interest rates and everything like that going up and just having that, being able to have that conversation and sort of having that, not, not quite worried but, you know, I guess a little bit concerned about what the future might hold, and being able to talk to Dad and, and Pop about it, and say, "Oh, well, that happened in '91, or that happened in whatever," and same, it's the same thing. But this, these are the strategies, and um, these are the ways that we can we can make it work until things get better, or or whatever it might have been. And I guess having those, uh, having that knowledge there that 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 ear to to listen to is very, very special and I I really appreciate it.
1: Having sort of that uh, experience to educate you over the generations, but also finding your own feet the way that you have, what sort of advice would you have for young people looking to step into the world of butchery as a potential career?
0: Uh, I would say for the first five years, um, sit down and shut up and and learn learn what you can. Uh, And then after that, Start to ask questions because the the, the things that your whoever it may be your, your boss or your mentor your teacher whoever it might be are trying to teach you have been taught uh, have been learnt through years and years and years of their own failures. So so learn those learn those lessons from them so you don't have to make them. But then once you've got once you've got that sort of knowledge, I guess. And that confidence in your own abilities, ask the questions, why? Uh, why is it this way? Um, why don't you do it this way? All those sorts of little questions. And that way you can you can get a greater understanding of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it.
1: Well, you've been doing amazing things and, you know, to speak to someone that's had generations of influence as, as a reliable local butcher, um, what, what do you love about what you do? Uh,
0: I, I, the community interaction. I, I love that. I love being able to, I guess, help out where I can with um, sponsorships, helping the, the local cricket teams and schools and things like that. I love being able to Provide meal solutions every night for for a lot of a lot of people within our community, um, and just having those conversations with people when they come in the following day or the following week about you know I would have never tried this but thank you or those sorts of things that's that's what sort of gets you up in one and that's what makes it happy for uh, happy for you. Well, Craig,
1: um, it's amazing what you're doing An absolute honour to have you today on the Crackling to hear a part of your story. Um, Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon.
0: No worries. Thank you for having me.
1: This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstars. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers
0: to discover what makes Australian pork so special.